You're listening to This Foul Earth. The Welsh Life Institute interviewed hundreds of Welsh residents across the summer of 2019, recording stories from their lives that they felt ought to be preserved for future generations. The aim was to capture the authentic essence of the country's contemporary voice with minimal input or prompting from the interview teams. However, at the end of each interview, each subject was asked a set of standardised questions. Our last series featured answers regarding the future, so this time we look back to the past. The subjects were asked, what is your biggest regret? Here are a selection of the responses. I consider myself a responsible citizen first and foremost, you know. I put my recycling out, I spend about two hours a night looking out that window, seeing what's going on. And for the time in the 90s, whenever I saw a crime in the paper, I would ring the police, just to be sure, just to make sure they heard about it. Oversight costs lives, in my book, and every time they'd say, oh, you know, yes, Clive, we've seen it. 8.30, every morning, as soon as the paper boy came, I'd be on the blower. You heard about that tool yard that got broken into? Yes, Clive, we've seen it. You heard about that illegal rave they had at Smithson's farm? Yes, Clive, we've seen it. They got quite shirty with me. They said, yes, you see, Clive, if you read the article, we actually gave a statement to the paper about it. But if I wasted time actually reading the article, who knows what might be going on, you know, out there? Get them up to speed with the headline. And if they want more detail, I can read in the article, excuse me, and we can hear it together, you know. I do this for a few months, and then the police turn up my house. I thought, right, fair enough, they want to put some sort of, I don't know, some sort of like direct line, so I don't have to waste time dialing 999. But they said, if you ring us about someone in the newspaper one more time, we'll do you for wasting police time. I couldn't believe it. I said, well, let me give you something for your trouble for coming down. But they said, if it's the paper, we've seen it. So I said, I'll oh, forget it then. Well, a week later, it's been a murder. Right? Front page of the paper. I pick up the phone. And I thought, well, if I'm in prison, who's going to look out my window? There'll be kids doing wheelies around here and nobody to keep an eye on it. Like, So I calmed myself. I said, don't worry, Clive. They're on top of it. Next day, another murder. And then another. And then the paper didn't come. Right? That would have been, that would have been the Thursday. I didn't get another paper until Monday, and it says on the front, editor still at large. The editor of the paper it was, he'd snapped. A few people, people, people who worked him, right, they'd been winding him up. He bought an expensive wig from China, but the website was in Chinese, so he didn't fill the format properly, and when it came, it was too small. He couldn't send it back, and it cost a fortune, so he wore it anyway. But there was a bald seam between his natural hair and the wig. And some people on the editorial board at his work have been teasing him about it. Said he looked like a tennis ball, you know, the rubber strip. They found the bodies with a ball seam shaved into their heads. And he was writing all the details on the front page of the paper. Nobody reported it to the police, of course, because, well, nobody else thinks to report crimes anymore. And even the police thought, well, you know, if it's in the paper, we must have somebody working on it. It was only when they noticed they hadn't been asked for comment that they thought to look into it. They did catch him in the end. He'd been lying low and he'd coloured in the seam with a felt-tip pen. But I... <laughs> I think sometimes. If only I hadn't been intimidated into abdicating my civic duty, maybe those blokes would still be alive. And they wouldn't have had a bald halo shaved into their heads once they were dead. Maybe the funeral director wouldn't have had to tactfully ward the families off an open casket because of the significant risk of sniggering. Not a mistake I'll make again. I mean, yes, they've been aware of every single newspaper crime I've reported since, but they can't say anything to me now, can they? Because where were they when I counted? Hmm? the sort to look in the rearview mirror in life you know what's done is done but I really wish I knew a fellow called Nick Swint 
Right? We were working together at Glanham and Paper Bags. We made all the sick bags of British Airways. It's all done in China now. But he came to me one night. He said, hey, meet me down the forest tonight, behind the National. i got something to show you. And we go down there, right? And he's checking to see if anyone's looking. And he's walking over to this massive stone. Nobody there. So he lifts this stone in the mud. And instead of more mud, there's this little shallow stone well with a bunch of like envelopes inside weirdest envelopes i've ever seen in my life he said what's this the postman's got lost is he? he said no 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 he said look at these right and he grabs a few of them he says i don't know what the fuck these are or where they come from but look at this he takes one and it's got a picture on the front like that, right looks like a cave painting of a bloke at the sea and this big lump appearing out of the water right he opens the envelope and there's these concentric circles on a piece of thin wood with these little like dots on him, little lights on him. Right? He holds the wood up right close to his face like that, right? and the lights get really, really strong, and then they go out, gone. Like that. And he goes now, watch this, right? And he goes over to this puddle, and he points at the water like the bloke on the envelope does, and this massive wave rises up, way, way more water than there was in the puddle, just lurches out of the puddle, and he just stands there, you know, looks solid enough to walk on. Like he drops his hand, and it just goes back into a puddle, just collapses. He says, I've done a few of these now, and he closes his eyes, and all of a sudden this little whirlwind of like sticks and rubbish and all that just comes up out of nowhere, it wasn't even windy. And before you know it, it's about six foot tall, and then he opens his eyes, same thing again, just goes away. He said, it's powers, innit? And me and him, we were fairly tight back in the day, he says, look, try one. I thought, no way, he's tugging my todgy, yeah? But as I was thinking that, he was growing his fingernails on command by splaying out his hand like that. They were growing into these weird shapes, and then they just sort of... You know, they all came back in like it never happened. So, I, you know, I had a little flick through the envelopes. There was one that looked like eyes in the back of your head. There was one that looked like flamethrowing. There was do- dozens and dozens of them. And I tell you what's been my problem my whole life. I can't decide for the life of me. You ask my missus, we go to a restaurant. I just tell the waiter, just bring me whatever you want. I don't want to see a menu, otherwise I'll be here all night. He said, well, just take anything. It doesn't matter. And he said, no, no, no. I said, I need time to think about it. Let's meet back here tomorrow morning. And he chuckles, he knows me, like, he says, all right, tomorrow tomorrow morning then, but we're coming back tomorrow morning. And we get there, I was up all night deciding, and he was gone. I said, have you had them all? He said, no. He said, I don't think anyone else knew about it. Well, we were in the pub the next night, and our mate Bruce comes in, right? He comes to the pub, offering an inch off the floor, all his skin has turned to solid gold, and he says, you boys will never guess what I found on the dog work this morning. We were gutted. He'd had the lot. He'd had the absolute lot. He's in the pub, he's getting all the questions right on who wants to be a millionaire. He's hitting 180s on the dartboard, he's been working down the docks the day before, and now he's God, you know, or a God at least. He chucked, Jer- you know, Jerry Simmons, he chucked Jerry Simmons' car into orbit. And Jerry was fuming about that, but what's he going to do about it? Like, how'd you knock out a golden man, like, you know? I wouldn't have wanted all the stuff from the envelopes, I wouldn't have wanted the lot, because he had terrible trouble with some of them. Because you'd think, right, that being able to, like, read minds would be good. But because his skin had turned to solid gold and he just levitated everywhere, all he heard was people screaming inside their minds, like, you know? And they were screaming out their mouths as well, but they were screaming in their heads, too, so it was twice as loud. So, like I said, you know, I wouldn't have wanted the lot, but I, I remember there was one, and it, I think it was, it was probably meant for harvesting, right? But it was a bloke, and he was just sort of pulling crops out of the ground, like, you know, with his, you know not, not with his hand, but they were just sort of floating out of the ground. And I says to Bruce, I said, you get the crops one? He said, oh, yeah, yeah. And he snaps his fingers and all the grass just flies out of the ground for about two metres all around him. And it condenses itself into a little cube and it just goes to the flat of his hand like that. Just lands on his hand. And I was doing landscaping at the time. 
You know, when I think of all the time I could have saved with that, Bruce didn't even want it. He said, I've got AstroTurf, so that's no use to me. But again, you know, there's no sense of looking back, is there? I remember coming home from work. I work at uh, Vinnie's Auto Repairs. It's a garage just off the old brickworks. So I'm walking, this would have been last summer. It was warm, but there was a breeze, so we used to walk in the summer. Anyway, I'm walking down here now, right? And just down the way there in the road, I saw a bird dead in the road, right? Body just compressed against the tarmac, with his wings upright, just flapping a little bit in the breeze, just off in the distance, eh? Yeah. I hate seeing stuff like that. You know, it, just, it just makes you think how fragile it all is, you know. Throws me for a loop that does, ruins your day. You see the birds over your head just gliding around. And I don't know, just, you know, you, you know it can't go on forever, you know. I remember looking at it, just lying there, and uh, I don't know, I just, I just wish things had gone differently, you know, for him, like. I wish I, wish I could have had a bit more time, or maybe, I, I don't know. Died mid-flight, you know, way up there at his peak, you know, he just, just slips away. You know, glides down, lands in the grass, goes out on top, you know. In fact, I, I wish that he hadn't been born a bird at all, you know. I, I wish that he'd, he'd been born a man instead. His name would have been Calvin. And uh, we probably would have met through work, you know. And I, I would have been intrigued by Calvin. Partly because I'd never met anyone called Calvin before. And partly because he would just have this thing about him, you know. I... I don't know, what do they call it, just just a certain something, he'd be about, I don't know, six foot something, a bit, bit taller than me, thick black hair, a few little few little whites poking out, standard at our age, that, you know, and, uh, you know, Calvin would work on the same day as me a lot, and uh, over the first few weeks, we'd really hit it off, I think, he would tell me stories about where he worked before, we would have a mutual friend from a garage and cross hands, that sort of thing. We'd have grown up not far from each other, you know, different different ends of the same area and all that. You know, we'd really click in those first few weeks. It would be hard to pinpoint exactly what I would like about Calvin. You know, we'd be very different people in a lot of ways. You know, both like our sport and that, but yeah, I don't know, we just have this natural confidence, whereas I've always been a bit more I don't know, res reserved, I think. You know, yeah, he'd be a proper boy, you know, like we just have this really pleasant everyman energy, you know. He would uh <laughs> He would feign being crushed, and any time he got into like a Fiat 500 or something, he'd do a big like and a big silly face, you know, because he was a big bloke, like, or he would have been. And I would really laugh at that, and I'd think, God, it's not even that funny, you know. I'm laughing like mad here, and even yeah, even I can see that's not that funny, but that would be him, you know. We'd get on famously, I think. You know, he would text me asking what time I was going to lunch, and some lunch times then we'd we'd go down the park over the way there, and you know, he'd skim stones across the river, be magic. It would get to the point where, you know, I'd, I'd feel my stomach drop if I felt my phone buzz, in case it was him. And I'd find myself thinking about him in my idle moments outside work. You know, I wonder what he's up to now, you know, that sort of thing. I would just think, God, it's so rare to make a friend like that at our age, isn't it? I would feel like I'd known him forever. And Graham, at work, he, he would say to me, something's different about you, man. I, I, I don't know. You seem happier in yourself, like. And I'd say, ah, oh, you know, maybe, maybe laugh it off, like. 
But the truth would be uh, the truth would be him, you know. It'd be uh, it'd be Calvin. Well, a few months would go by, and the uh, Christmas party would roll around down the rugby club. And in many ways, it would be much the same as any other Christmas party. You know, we'd all be mingling. I'd see Nigel's wife putting bread rolls in her purse, same as every year. You know, God knows what for. But that year, it'd be I don't know. It'd be this different energy there because he would be there. You know, we'd be at the bar talking away from the crowd, like and Calvin. He would neck his pint and he'd say, "Here, come with me. Fancy a bit of fresh air? Give me a wink." Right? And he'd press his hand into the small of my back on the way past. And we'd make our way through the throng and we'd be stood there under the gas lamp outside the entrance. So we'd be there under a bit of light rain, you know, spattering like. And Calvin would go into his pocket, he'd produce a pack of fags. You know, he, he wouldn't smoke and neither do I. But he'd say, oh, it's just a little treat for Christmas. Right? So we'd both be there, this cool rain on us. And we'd just be talking like we do at the river and at work, you know, laughing proper hard, just the two of us. I'd look over at him, and he'd flash that big, easy smirk at me. And just like that, Calvin would kiss me. And I'd kiss him too. I'd, I'd just feel myself sinking into him. All that indescribable heartache and longing that I, had, I hadn't even realised I'd been carrying. You know, it would, it would all just melt away. All that pain, you know, all that hope that I'd buried deep inside of it all just... You know, just dissolve to nothing in that moment, you know. And I would have never felt like that about another man. Any man, you know. But I would know in that moment that my life had changed forever. Anyway, as I, as I got closer to the birds in the road, I realised it wasn't a bird. After all, it was a bag of dog shit that got smushed by a car. The, the, wi the wings weren't wings. They were, you know, the handles were tied up. It, it was that. It could have been a wonderful life. But some things just aren't meant to be.